0: Um.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Go ahead. It looks a like It Are you ready or not? Hopefully this will reach over here as well as it was over here. I'm a long way from my computer, my cord's missing. That's what happens when you loan
0: things out. Stuff comes back. Yeah. Well, we, we have to rush through today. So we are going to be looking at Revelation 8 uh, through 10 for our scripture part. And uh, mm-hmm. the first part of it is the catastrophes. And of course, you know, this is a part of the book that you know, we've been dealing with, uh, the opening of the seals and those types of things. So, you know, a lot of, a lot of stuff going on in this period. Let's a word of the prayer. Heavenly Father... Thank you for the refreshing, the refreshing air of the morning, and thank you for the beautiful day. We thank you for your word, and pray that you will bless it as we, uh, as we go over this part of the book of Revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ, and may you be revealed, to refresh new you to us as we think about the, uh, the end times. I pray that you'll bless every part of what we do today, and uh, be with the Michaels as they travel in, protect them on the highways. Make this a great day in the Lord. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Actually, this part of the book, the the end of the book is great. But this part of the book is probably one of the darkest moments in time. It's a picture of the Great Tribulation. A period of time when the consequences of sin become real uh, in this world. We think it's bad now. This is nothing uh, compared to what it would be like uh, during the time of the Tribulation. Uh, be a foolish mistake for us as modern people to believe that there are no consequences for sin. We live in a world that I think half believes uh, that there's no consequences for sin. What they do they get away with it uh, and you know they just don't understand that the Bible talks about uh, the consequences as well as the rewards. Uh, So this is God God not abandoning his judgment. The promise of judgment that he gave is now taking place. So it's been postponed to these last days. Uh, and, and so we need to realize that uh, sin has consequences. So Romans 2, 4 says, "Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness? kindness? Tolerance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads to you towards repentance. So, Paul makes it clear that this period of grace is given so that we will repent of our sins and avoid the judgment. So, we still have time. The people that have not given their lives to Christ still have time. And that's why we're in the business that we're in, uh, in building the kingdom. So, The Bible clearly teaches that we live in a day or a period of great grace. God is good. Is he not? God is good. Uh, But there is a day when God will pour out his wrath on on the the world and the ungodly. The first thing we see in the catastrophes uh, section is the commitment of faith. The commitment of faith. Revelation 8, 1 through 5. We opened the seventh seal. There was silence in heaven for about half an hour. And I
1: saw the seven angels who
0: stand before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. Then another angel, having a golden censer, came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense,
1: that he should offer with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angel's hand. And then the angel took the
0: censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and threw it to the earth. There were noises, thunderings, lightnings, and an earthquake. So a pretty powerful demonstration uh, of God's wrath beginning here uh, in this portion of Scripture. So what is the concern that we see here? The concern the scene opens up in the middle of the tribulation period, uh, the time of great tribulation. We, we think today is full of tribulation. We're talking now about a time of great tribulation, and... <clears throat>
1: The earth now shifts to a time of unprecedented evil. Uh, all attention is now drawn toward God's final judgments,
0: which are about to fall on man who has not repented. So the call of the believer is to walk consistently, even in the midst of injustice, knowing that justice will be answered at another time. So that's what we need to do. Continue to walk uh, believing that God will take care of things in the future. And in any time, we need to be obedient. Uh, The the local magistrate sentenced John Bunyan. Anybody know who John Bunyan was? Anybody familiar with his works? One of his most famous was the Pilgrim's Progress. Progress. Have you read that one? And if you have it. that's a great read uh, and uh, interesting uh, concept of uh, pilgrim's walk towards heaven. But they uh, sentenced John Bunyan to to, uh, imprisonment. Unless he promised he would not preach. Well, he, of course, refused, declaring that he'd stay in prison till the loss grew on his eyelids, rather than fail to do what God had commanded him to do. That's perseverance, even though there's a lot of injustice in the world. Believing that God will have final justice, he would not quit preaching. So don't let Satan or the world discourage you. Uh, the appearance, that evil may be triumphant at the moment. Uh, the day of justice will only come. And that's this portion of scripture that we're uh, looking at. The second part of the lesson is the, is the catastrophe of faithlessness. The catastrophe of faithlessness. Look at verse 6. So the seven angels who had the seven trumpets Prepared themselves to sound. The first angel sounded, and hail and fire followed, mingled with blood, and they were thrown to the earth, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. Uh, The second angel sounded, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood, and a third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. And then the third angel sounded, and a great star fell from
1: heaven burning like a torch and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of
0: water the name of the star is wormwood a third of the waters became wormwood and many men died from the water because it was bitter then the fourth angel sounded and the third of the sun was struck a third of the moon and the third of the stars so that the third of them were darkened and the third of the day did not shine and likewise the night and I heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, "Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth because of the remaining blast of the trumpet of the three angels who are about to sound." Then the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star falling from heaven to the earth. To him was given the key to the bottomless pit, and he opened the bottomless pit, and smoke arose out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace. So the sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke of the pit, and then out of the smoke locusts came upon the earth, and to them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. They were commanded not to harm the grass of the earth, or any green thing, or any tree, but only those men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads—not the seal of the Antichrist, but the seal of God. And they were not given authority to give them the torment them for five months. And their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it strikes in the end. And in those days, men will seek death and will not find it. They will desire to die, and death will flee from them. And the shape of the locust was like horses prepared for battle. And on their heads were crowns of something like gold, and their faces were like the faces uh, of men and they had hair like uh, women's hair, and their teeth were like lion's teeth. Some uh, really interesting picture of these uh, tormentors, isn't that? Verse first lion, they had breastplates, like breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was like the sound of chariots with many horses running into battle. They had tails like scorpions, and there were stings in their tails. Their power was to hurt men five months, and they had as king over them the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in Hebrew is
1: Abaddon, but in Greek he has the name Apollyon. One woe is past. Behold, still, more, uh, still two more woes are
0: coming after these things. And the sixth angel sounded. And I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar which is before God, saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. So the four angels who had been prepared for the hour and day and month and year released to kill a third of mankind. Now the number of the army of the horsemen was two hundred million. I heard the number of them. And thus I saw the horses in the vision. Those who sat on them had breastplates of fiery red, hyacinth blue, and sulfur yellow. And the heads of the horses were like the heads of lions. And out of their mouths came fire and smoke and brimstone. And by these three plagues a third of mankind was killed, and by the fire and the smoke and the brimstone which came out of their mouths. For their power is in their mouth and in their tails, for their tails are like serpents having heads, and with them they do harm. But the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands, that they should not worship demons, and idle of gold, silver, brass, stone, and wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk and they did not repent of their murders, or their sorceries, or their sexual immoralities, or their thefts. Even after all of that, they did not repent. Imagine that. Imagine that. So, the day of uh, of, of sin, free from judgment, comes to an end. And with a terrible end it will be, uh, what a terrible end it will be, the angels prepare to sound these seven trumpets of judgment that we just read. Uh, These judgments are similar. Uh, to the plagues of Egypt You remember back in the Old Testament uh, And how God Delivered Israel Israel's 400 plus years of injustice Came to an end And Egypt was dealt a severe blow So God in the Old Testament Shows uh, his justice And now even the, the time Shows his justice again And while it appeared that Egyptian, The Egyptians had gotten away With a lot, in the end
1: God still had the final say were free. So these judgments are severe.
0: Look at them: a third uh, of the uh, seas turn to blood; Uh, a third of the living creatures in the sea die; a third of the ships are destroyed; a a blazing star, maybe like a comet, uh, falls into the waters, and and, uh, all then of the fresh waters are polluted by this uh, this act uh, of. The blazing star that falls from the sky, and, and so a third of the sun, the moon, and the stars are darkened. So it's could it's, be uh, similar to at least a cloudy day, if not worse. Uh, when we when we see that happen, and these are the woes that begin in rapid succession here on the earth. As one trumpet sounds, and the, the woe begins; a second trumpet sounds, another uh, right in the uh, line here, and we learn it. Uh, we. We learned in chapter 9, verse 4, that God supernaturally protects those who belong to Him during this time of outward wrath. So He's still protecting those who have repented during the tribulation. God has a way of watching over them. Uh, it is a terrible time because sin has a terrible price. Don't let anybody fool you. Sin has a terrible price. And the only
1: reason people don't think so today. Because God is holding back. God is
0: holding back. And somehow they feel that it just won't happen. But that's, you know, uh, not popular to talk about God uh, on uh, this side of God. and His righteousness. But a righteous God will punish sin as well as reward goodness and faith. So it's important that the world know that this is coming. Uh, so that they'll flee from this wrath. Now, this passage reveals the middle of the tribulation period, when Satan is allowed uh, to let loose these horrible demons that have been held in chains since the beginning of time, since the war between Satan and God, when Satan was cast out of heaven, the third of the angels. Uh, They'll be released uh, on the great armies to produce havoc here on the earth. And finally, man will experience the full force of sin, uh, the leadership of saints' forces, and the consequences, as we read, will be horrific. Uh, what a mess it will be. Uh, there will be such suddenness to all these calamities that men will long to die, but death will escape them. The torture will be great, and yet in the midst of all this, men and women will still curse God and reject Him. The tragic side of sin is that it fails to acknowledge God's way out. Mankind will continue to be stubborn in sin in spite of all the warnings and the consequences. Even though warning God's word, uh, there will be those who will completely ignore these warnings and experience the tragic results that we read about. So the destruction described by John, can you, can you even imagine being John here? I, I think I said that maybe before, but can you even imagine being John here with all these things that he's seen and trying to envision, you know, in, a, in the, you know,
1: 2,000 years ago, it would have been hard to describe all these things of uh, modern warfare, and, and all
0: these uh, things that are going on, but uh, John is describing this high price for sin. So when you feel that the ungodly are getting away with it, every time you're, you're the nude, you hear the news, it's Uh, We we know that we read the end of the book that uh, Jesus Christ has final say and uh, that his sacrifice uh, certainly is uh, what will uh, help us escape judgment, but we'll also mean that there will be judgment on those who have rejected. So even after such painful judgment, still many will not turn because of their wickedness. And those that turn their backs on God will continue to do so even in the midst of all that. So that's, you know, the living a deceived life. How many out there today are living a deceived life and eventually will suffer the tragic results of that deception by the enemy? So the way out was plain. Uh, Even now, the gift of salvation is free and available to all and will be then in the tribulation period. It'll just, I'm sure, be much more difficult. Uh, to find your way to the Lord, but even in that day, uh, <clears throat> salvation will, will, will be available, and God will protect those uh, that that do repent during the tribulation. So we can't just look on and uh, and watch all of this or think about all this while thinking about the loss. Think, think about the loss, and then what we have to do to help them escape this this all this horrific tragedy that will come on the earth. So we know the way to escape. You know, i preach it to the choir this morning, I'm sure. We know the way to escape. It is Jesus Christ. Today is the day of salvation. And so that's the question, or the, the uh, state that we need uh, to, to release to the world, that today is the day of salvation. Then the question is, what will you do about it? What will you do? And so the good news is that Christ has made it possible to avoid all the events of the, of the end and the reward, which is hell, for uh, giving in to the deception of the enemy and rejecting Christ. So the greatest tragedy of Revelation is not found in the, deep, in, in the details of future events as much as it is the stubbornness of the sinful heart. Whether it's during the end time of the tribulation or whether it's today, uh, the failure of man uh, because of their stubbornness to accept what god did and so sin will have these catastrophic consequences if not now certainly in the future uh, so jesus offers a way out if we accept him
1: Whew. all right <laughs> part two the contrast the second coming of Christ oops I enjoy the breeze but it's blowing everything all over Second Coming of Christ, to most people, is nothing more than a fantasy. And more and more
0: so, in the day and age in which we live, I think people uh, have certainly forgotten. We don't even hear the preaching that we used to. uh, Back in the 70s, when I was growing up, it seemed like everybody was preaching on the Second Coming. Uh, We hadn't, I I never can remember the name of that movie, but. uh, It's probably before that. Back in the 70s, what, what deep in the night. Deep, well, there was deep in the night, yeah. And, and, but that, those were the things that, that was going on and being preached back then. Now we have the, the series, like the mind's series, right? Yeah. And, and uh, So we have today, that's kind of a way, but even that has kind of been pushed aside. And there's not a lot of preaching uh, because people think it's just a bunch of religious nonsense like a lot of other stuff they think about. Uh, but... Uh, the fact is the scriptures have been accurate, you know, and I would be afraid to doubt that the the book of Revelation is not accurate as well. Uh, So as we get closer and closer to the second coming, it doesn't matter when we think it's coming, it's closer than it was yesterday. I mean, that's just a fact. And so whether it's tomorrow or a hundred years from now, it's still a day And so it means that we have a day less to do what God has has asked us to do in in regards to going into all the world. So the closer Jesus uh, coming, the less fanciful the prophecies about the future will, will be because we'll see, and we have seen, these events take place that show us the accuracy of the scriptures and the prophecies that have been fulfilled. And then we will also see other things come to pass That will will prove out all of of the scriptures. Uh, And and again, uh, I guess the the world will have to say, whoops I guess we were wrong again. We were wrong after all. Uh, Did you know that up until this century, it was thought that the 200 million men, uh, the 200 million man army that's mentioned there, remember in the scripture we read? The 200 million man army. Uh, that comes from the east must be just a symbolic number, according to many. But how could that be? But today, China alone can easily put that many men in the uniform. So, uh, we see the possibilities uh, now that we didn't see perhaps a uh, hundred years ago. Did you know that until the middle of this past century, Many experts thought that the regathering of millions of Jews back to
1: Palestine to become the nation of Israel was nothing more than a spiritual concept.
0: Did you know that such descriptions in, Ze- in Zechariah and Ezekiel that describe a horrible force so great that people's skin will fall off of them from a blasting heat so sudden that their eyes will melt? In their sockets, while they still walk about, seem too far-fetched until the last century in Japan and the suffering that went on there as a result of the atomic bomb. So what what seemed to be fanciful uh, is quite believable today, because we've seen things like that happen. Jesus is coming again. And so the Bible clearly teaches us that there should be an urgency in our spirit, an urgency in our testimony, an urgency in what we do in telling others about salvation, telling them about Jesus. So the first part of this lesson, the contrast are God's final warnings, and it's in chapter 10, verses one through seven, initially here. Then I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven. He was robed in a cloud with a rainbow above his head. His face was like the sun and his legs were like fiery pillars. He was holding a little scroll which lay open in his hand. He planted his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land, and he gave a loud shout like the roar of a lion. And when he shouted, the voices of the seven thunders spoke. And when the seven thunders spoke, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven saying, seal up what the seven thunders have said, and do not write it down. And then the angel I had seen standing on the sea and on the land, raised his right hand to heaven, and he swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created the heavens and all that is in them, the earth and all that is in it, and the sea and all that is in it, and said there will be no more delay. But in the days when the angel uh, the seventh angel was about to sound his trumpet, the mystery of God will be accomplished, just as he announced to his servants the prophets. I got one sometimes about it. <laughs> Off, yeah. <laughs> okay. oh, I, I don't even think I read that. God doesn't always settle his But I did read that. John sees a mighty angel again. Probably the same
1: one, perhaps, that was in
0: chapter 5, verse 2. And the rainbow is above his head. It shows that God never forgets his covenantal promises. Remember the, the rainbow in the Old Testament? We see the rainbow again in the New Testament. Uh, and so the fiery pillars for legs remind us of the pillar of fire that went with Israel all through the wilderness, showing God's presence among them at all the times. So there we see the rainbow and the fire. We see the, the symbolism from the Old Testament again in the end times in the New Testament and here in the, the Revelation. Uh, so this angel had a little scroll or a little book. John probably could only think of it in terms he hadn't seen a bound book by Gutenberg yet. So you can only think of it in terms of a scroll. Uh, but we don't know what the contents are. Because he told John not to write it down. <laughs> what, we don't know, you know what's in the book. <laughs> Just a little book. Just a little book. I mean, what's in there. Well, we'll find out one day. But the fact that the little scroll lay open in his hand, however, would indicate that it was to be revealed to John. Uh, it was, after all, open. It was in his hand. It was open. So he saw you, But then he was told, uh, not to write it down. So there seems little doubt that this little scroll contained judgments of some kind, perhaps, or uh, maybe even the judgments of the seven thunders that we read about uh, being little of it. Uh, it may have meant that this was part of a larger revelation.
1: So it was
0: perhaps book one. Book one. Uh, but the seven thunders remind us of, of the seven seals, the seven trumpets, uh, and soon we're going to see the, the seven bowls. Uh, We've had the seven churches, seven, we see a lot of sevens in Revelation. Uh, the seven thunders uttered their judgments and tell us about to write down what they say, when a voice from heaven, as we said, tells them not to write it down. Uh, that these are to be kept secret until the day that they are visited on the earth. So while uh, open to John, they've been closed to us at least for the time. <coughs> Maybe we won't even care when we get heaven. But it would be foolish or, uh, foolish to speculate as to what they are. But I'm sure that if they were if they were uh, uh, as the other things that were going on, that they were probably as horrible as the seven seals and the seven trumpets and the seven bowls that we're about to, to talk about that we'll be talking about later. But Perhaps they are of the a nature that one could guess the, the time frame from them, so they remain hidden. Remember, there's nothing to give us a clue as to when, no matter how many guys have tried. 88 reasons, you know, 88. And uh, then the, the guy more recently, a few years ago, that picked, uh, what was it, what year was that? Year was that. 2000, you know, there's a bunch of them. 2000, I had one girl at work supervisor she couldn't even walk her out because she wasn't coming back so we see people trying to guess but there's nothing to indicate a time frame anywhere in scripture and only god even jesus said that only the father so uh so what is god doing here he's giving another final warning so that mankind cannot say they haven't had opportunities, they haven't had chances, they haven't been warned. He's given warning after warning. This is just another one. But too many today think that life will just continue uh, and that they'll always somehow be in control. You know, that they'll always somehow have a handle on things. Uh, That's the arrogance of man's heart today that they'll keep thinking they have control. But we fail to realize that only God controls the future, and we really have little power for very little time. So though though what the seven thunders said is not revealed, what they say will happen will happen. And so there is a sense of urgency here. Again, urgency. Remember, these are the last days. So. Uh, as the angel lifts his right hand toward heaven and says, "There will be no more delay. There will be no more time to put off a decision for Christ uh, to avoid these judgments. Uh, surely it is coming and coming quickly. So, uh, but how how we are likely at times to put things off? My wife complains about me all the time here, and I, I probably uh, but this is, all, it's almost the way of life to many people today. To put off until tomorrow, the healing of something that we should, should really begin with. Now, uh, I had a, a pastor, he was new to a church, and I'm, I'm the zone pastor for our Erie Zone. And so, when the young guys have a problem or they want to talk about something, they're supposed to call me before they call it yes kind of takes some of the pressure off the DS. I'm the old guy, so call the old guy and probably know what's going on, right? But no, it's just to kind of discuss things. And if there's really an urgent problem, we go to the DS with it. But uh, he called and he, and, and he was talking about some of the things that were going on, and some of the things that should have been going on. Uh, and uh, he, uh, did, 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 he, I, see it. I can uh, pinpoint now, but... Uh, It's totally went out of my mind. But anyway, he wanted wanted to make all the changes, do everything now. And uh, I said, how long do you plan on being there? How long do you plan on being a pastor? He said, 20 years. I said, we've got 20 years to do all this. Kind of stretch it out a little bit. Don't shock them. You know, mellow them out to the ideas and get them. But we like to put things off, more or less. And and, and people in the church are real good at that. Because what does that have to do with? when we, when we uh, put things up, when we don't put things up. What's the word we use today? Change. Yeah. We hate that word. That's like a dirty word in the church, right? Change. But, but he thought that he could just take some of the issues that were going on. He said, I'm, really, I'm not really concerned with the little fire, just the big fire. I said, well, if you get five or six little fires, they all get together. you got yourself a big fire. So they might as well put out the little fire first. You know, but it's not dealing with things. And that's the way people are with the message of salvation. That Some reject it totally. But others say, I'll put it off to the mark. I'll delay my response. Uh, but Jesus, this is not going to We know where to lay. When we get to this point, we do have a, period, a time period involved. Seven years. The tribulation is seven years. And then after that, the judgment. So uh, there'll be no more putting off uh, at that point. So, the mystery of God will be accomplished, the angel states. No more delay. And just as God had had announced to his servants, the prophets, is what we're told. It's all there, it's all been foretold. All we have to do is dig. And we'll find it. So no wonder the Bible states so emphatically in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 2, I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. So we can't assume there will be another opportunity later that there will be a day when the angel of God, because there will be a day when the angel of God will declare there is no more delay. So it's never too early to accept Christ. But at some point, it may be too late. So, the second part of today's lesson Of
1: oh, all my possessions were a moment of time. That was Queen Elizabeth. All of my possessions were a moment of time.
0: And we're talking about no more delay here. The second part, final part, God's faithful witness, chapter 10, verses starting in verse 8. The voice that the heard from heaven spoke to me once more. Go take the scroll that lies open in the hand of the angel who was standing on the sea and on the land. So I went to the angel and asked him to give me the little scroll. He said to me, Take it and eat it. It will turn your stomach sour, but in your mouth it will be as sweet as honey. I took the little scroll from the angel's hand and ate it. It tasted as sweet as honey in my, in my mouth, but when I had eaten it, my stomach turned sour. Then I was told, you must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, languages, and kings. Now, I, I can I maybe understand this a little bit because I had I dealt with acid reflux, and so eventually got a pill that, to take care of it. But whenever I ate chocolate, it would taste good, you know, sweet and everything. But when it hit,
1: hit my stomach, it would give me indigestion. So I understand that. You know, what John was
0: experiencing here. It tasted good, but when it hit his stomach, it turned sour. Uh, so this same voice, uh, the same voice from heaven now speaks to John again, and he asks him to do something strange. He says, go take the scroll. Uh, and notice that the angel doesn't give it to John. John is asked to get it himself. John is being asked to be responsible here for the scroll containing God's word. No angel will force him to take it. He must get it for himself from the angel. God has chosen chosen us uh, to take his word. He's chosen us. He does not force it upon anyone. Notice too that God says it will turn your stomach sour but in your mouth it will be as sweet as honey. There's a contrast here. God's word is sweet to John's taste, but sour as it settles in him. It will, I deal with this, uh, it, it, the, uh, the invitation to receive God's word willingly and to do more with it than just have it sit around our homes. You well, remember the old days when we had coffee tables. They didn't start coffee table. You have a coffee table. You had a coffee table. Yeah, years ago, everybody had a coffee table, you know, and what was the coffee table book? It was the big family Bible, right, about this thing, uh, yeah, everybody had it, you didn't read that one, right? How many people actually opened that one? No, probably not. That was more for show, but the Word of God is not to be for show. Uh, It is to be absorbed. It's to become a part of us. The Word of God is alive, and and we need to understand that and it needs to be part of us and alive in us. So the hardest thing about sharing the word of God with others is that we're afraid it won't do any good. I think that's what we probably try to justify our lack of witness is that we just feel it won't do any good if we tell somebody. But we must remember that our responsibility is to share it and the results are to God. You know, it's not our our. Uh, Part isn't the results. Our part is to share. John was not told what kind of results would come from his taking the scroll. Just that he was to take it and consume it. Whether it changes mankind or not, John was to obey. And we have a responsibility to tell others about Jesus Christ and that he is coming again and that sin will be judged. Whether they accept it, that's not our. That's not up to us. Ours is only to tell a message. We are not responsible for people's responses, but we are responsible for telling them. God is holding us accountability. I talk a lot about accountability and having accountability partners in my church because ultimately God is holding us all accountable. It helps if we hold each other accountable, too. Uh, We can never know how people might respond. We, we just do uh, I, I, There's stories after story after story. The the, um, the uh, writer of Amazing Grace was a slave trader. John, Newton? not Paul. <laughs> yes. Newton, John Newton, because right? John Bunyan was writer. <laughs> Newton who wrote Amazing Grace, was a slave trader. His mom prayed and prayed and prayed. Uh, after she shared with them the message all growing up, and finally, something caught his heart, and he responded and became a great man of God. But that, we're not responsible. The, the people that hear the message are responsible. We are only responsible to tell others. And so the question is how able have we been to tell others? The last thing, I What, what did God mean when he said that the scroll John 8 would turn your stomach sour, but in your mouth you will be sweet as honey? Well, for the believer, the word of God is sweet. Even the judgment against sin is sweet, uh, because we won't feel like, you know, we've been good for a good reason, I guess. <laughs> you know, that others will finally receive their judgment. But a believer who loves God should also love the world. And when it is digested that God's judgments will come against the unrighteous, it should make us sorrowful to realize that so many will suffer judgment. So it may taste, revenge may taste good. The word of God may taste good and be sweet to us as we accept it. But then as we think about friends and relatives, family members that have not accepted Christ or who have wandered outside of the yard of safety, who have wandered away from God, then it becomes sour, it becomes bitter. Because we realize that time is short. And that they still need to accept Christ. So that I believe is what the word of God is is relating here. As far as as the message goes. So it made John sick to his stomach. To realize that God's word will bring judgment. Against those who fail to receive Christ. And he was probably then thinking in his mind. Of those uh, in his own life. Uh, Remember. When John wrote this, he was getting up in years. Uh, I think when he was past his last days pastor he was like a hundred years old, uh, the Church of Ephesus, and they said he'd
1: go. he they, the story is I can't verify it over here.
0: Um close but not uh, but that he actually even sat on a stool to preach because of his feebleness at that point. But uh, so John is probably thinking about, as he's there on the aisle of Bethesda, and, uh writing all this down now, thinking about all those that he's had contact with, perhaps family members, parishioners, others who have not yet accepted Christ. And so John's experience is uh, no delight in seeing these sinners judge because uh, he realizes he really wants to see them in heaven, especially those that he's close to. And so though the word was sweet to him, it's pain over those that will still to be lost. And hopefully we feel that way as well. That we are that we are truly sorry for those that, that have not yet accepted Christ. Sorry that we do something about it. So do others you know we are Christians? Do we show Christ? Do we share Christ? Do they know that we've been redeemed? Do they really know what we stand for and what we believe? <clears throat> Pope John the Twenty-Third. Do not walk through time without leaving worthy evidence of your passage. So, what are we leaving behind? What is our legacy? What is our legacy? They talked a lot about, and I don't want to get into political at all so that don't want anyone to listen but they, a lot has been said about Obama's legacy you know what he wanted to be for his legacy health care and a other things if people want to be remembered for something what do, what are we going to be remembered for what are we going to be remembered for the fate of millions may well be in our hands and though we find our salvation such a sweet thing, we must allow all of God's word to settle in our hearts so that we may see how tragic it will be for those that, that are lost. So John's experience of bitterness reflects the true heart of a, uh, of a godly disciple. He cannot be fully comfortable knowing what is coming for those who don't know Christ. So notice God's last statement here in this passage, uh, in Revelation 10, 11 <coughs> Then I was told you he was prophesied again about many people, nations, languages, and kings. John's call was to preach. Again, go preach. That's the good news. Today is the day of salvation. John's message would go forth to all the nations, to all the people, in all languages. Think about it, because it's What he uh, saw there envisioned and other things that he wrote are all written down. And I've been translated into literally hundreds of other languages. And, And people around the world have seen what he wrote. And it's still, I mean, probably more than millions, probably billions of people influenced by the words of John that he wrote. And so we're fortunate that God has revealed the future to us. And this way we realize how important and necessary it is that we tell as many people as possible about the good news, that Jesus saves, Jesus saves. So the book of Revelation should inspire us. It shouldn't scare us. We shouldn't stay away from a it like a lot of preachers and a lot of Bible readers are decided to get it. No, it really should inspire us. It should produce concern and a godly concern for the lost. So while we find the future events of the book of of Revelation sweet, knowing we will be with Christ, we must also think of of the bitter pill that's there to swallow as well if others do not find him. So it's just such a contrast the bitter and the sweet that gives us uh, an appreciation for what we have and what Christ has uh, provided for us uh, in the means of our own salvation. So, how are you how are you responding to God's revelation? What are you doing about the future today in both our, your life and in the lives of those around you? That's the question we need to continue to ask ourselves. So, quickly, that was quickly. Two lessons. I, will, I won't rush too so much tomorrow. Right? I need to calm down a little bit. Questions, comments. That's quite a passage, isn't it? <laughs> Out of those three chapters. <coughs> a lot of stuff going
1: on. And, and how many have read the Left Behind series? I think it's like what 13 books. I got
0: the movie. <laughs> that's <laughs> like that's like what's uh, what was the book what was the book that was so popular a few years ago? Um, Dan Brown book.
1: Da Vinci Code.
0: The Da Vinci Code. Don't watch Don't read the book. And then watch movie. It's the movie. It does with the
1: life. <laughs>
2: close. Yeah.
0: No, it's a, uh, it's it, it's an interesting series because it kind of put the blood behind the series because it puts some light to these things in Revelation and it helps you to kind of imagine things a little what possibly could happen. It's not the blood behind series is not factual. It, it is a novel, so. Don't say that Dan said, everything's in your crew. <laughs> but it's kind of come you know, put some light and some green on it. Can we go back and see the third point for the
1: pastor here? It was the third C. It was
0: confronted. Oh, because they went through consistent. It was consistent. Okay. Confronted consequences and consistent? Oh,
1: consequences. Mm-hmm. I, I
2: can't go back.
1: <laughs> no, that's okay.
2: Else? Any questions? I thought it was um, when you were talking about how even after all those things like the five months of the squirt, <coughs> the you know, sting, and the suffering and all that stuff that they still didn't have. Um, really, it's the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit is taken. is the one that gives you the ability to. He's well, they'll be able to repent
0: even after, after sin. sin. But they'll right. still be able to repent after the Holy Spirit leaves. Really? So, at the rapture of the church, my belief is that the Holy Spirit will leave with the church. And at that point, they'll only have
2: what they know of the Word and the preachers that are still... To well, they can not if They still know the salvation. Yeah, but Jesus' said in John six forty four. No one comes to me unless the Father's Spirit calls him. Well, they have had their opportunity so to call for Jesus. That's why even after all that they go through, they can't. Yet they can because they have had the call before they rejected it.
0: Right. So they're still there. You don't lose that. Mm-hmm. But even if it, even if some you know even if they're gone, it's just like. We don't, we don't. have John. John's not reading Revelation, but we have what he said. Right. So the Holy Spirit's words. It's only a seven-year period. So they'll have that opportunity to recall, the, you know, what the Holy Spirit spoke to them. I believe the Holy Spirit will be taken. I'll check.
2: I'll do some checking on that. again you consider that? So are you like then you're pre trip or?
0: I with the rapture, I believe the rapture before the church, before tribulation.
2: What do you believe? I believe victory. It's possible, but I'll be because of what it says uh, in Matthew twenty-four. You know, mm-hmm. Jesus is talking about the uh, uh, what was what was written by the prophet Daniel, and you know, not to. Go back and get your things if you're up on the rooftop or whatever. And you know that sounds like you're we right in the midst of something very devastating. And it said at that time, if it were possible, even the elect would be deceived. So I, to me, that's like saying it's happening. It's right there. And then there's uh, Second Thessalonians. Chapter two, I think it's around verse five that Paul says, "I wrote to you before concerning the matter that these days will not occur until the man of sin is revealed." Will
1: revealed.
2: So the rapture will not occur until
0: he's revealed, or he could be
2: revealed today. So we, know but that doesn't mean tribulation And that means that the church or the elect will know who. He, he can be revealed, but still not. It may not be the be of the tribulation. So that's why there's always that a question. question. That's always
0: why there's always a question. But I, I don't believe that the church will perfect. Well, to me, I believe that part of our reward for our faithfulness will be that if we're here at the time, well, then the church will not be part
1: of the tribulation. That's my If Now, uh, if
0: you pure Wesleyan, you believe that the 1,000-year reign is already old. Oh, really? Oh, he would, because he was a postmodernist. So, yeah. I mean, everybody has an you know? opinion. Oh, wow. Yeah, 1,000-year reign in high was the initial, think, yeah. initial years of the church. That's Wesleyanism. Yeah. I That's I think pure yeah. Wesleyanism. Now, he changed his mind every time. Yeah. See, so we have a right to change our minds.
2: <laughs> so, if we start living through the first three and a half years, i a right to change my mind. Yeah, listen, listen I, you know, what I've got to about that is, you know, it says, uh, I think it's in Philippians, that he will um, give us what we need, you know, we'll give what we need. So if we need inner strength to live through whatever, whether it be beheading or whatever, and you can see that in the market, that they were martyred, beheaded, whatever, whatever they had to live through, God gave them the inner strength to live through
0: it. it, it, it and know, fair, it, and yeah, that's that, why I say it's possible. Yeah.
2: So, you could, you know, either way, God is able to empower us to live through it. If we're here in the mid trip we don't need to be afraid of it, because God will make us able to get where he is, no it, matter what. It, I'd, like to say, I'd like to say it's possible. But... And that's why I say we
1: can have our own. That's why I don't try to interpret it yeah. for and
0: say it's this way, because it, it doesn't have to be my way.
2: It. Right. It's,
0: it's always going to be God's way. And so yeah, some true. things are a little vague. We've got to keep that way on purpose, I
1: think, so that we
0: have guys who do
1: that small book.
0: Yeah, the single book. <laughs> Johnny, sorry. John, Johnny, I already read it. John. I don't know what's in it. Who knows? But that, that, that's it, exactly. No, I, what I've always preached is, it doesn't matter when we just need to be ready. It doesn't matter when. All right. Anything else? Thank you, everybody. Yes, we'll slow down and have a little discussion in